Welcome to the Practical Idealist Podcast, aligning what is good with what is possible. I'm your host, Allison Bueller, Director of the Homestead Education Center, and the focus on this show is real change for better health, home, and community. Most of us have had much more time on our hands than normal over the past weeks of shelter in place. But how have we used this time? I spend about half of my days embracing healthy food, exercise, and stillness, and the other half scrolling, numbing, and spinning over worrisome thoughts. I recognize, however, bad this pandemic is, that there are gifts, gifts of time, family, community, stillness. And today we're gonna talk to a guest who will help us make the most of this extraordinary time by teaching us how to go deep, to be still, and to make room for growth. The Practical Idealist is brought to you by the Homestead Education Center, a nonprofit organization located in Starkville, Mississippi. Today's show is sponsored by our Keep It Local partner, Barbara Coates at Modern Woodman of America. Barbara is a financial advisor who can help you with retirement, life insurance, and financial planning. The best part about her local business is that in 2019 alone, they put back over $100,000 into projects like the JL King Center, the Boys and Girls Club, and the local school district. You can contact Barbara for a free consultation with your Keep It Local card, and I'll put a link to her in the show notes as well. Things have been very quiet at the homestead. We miss the Nature Kids Co-op that meets every Wednesday, and we're sadly realizing that summer camps won't happen for the first time in 10 years. Our big push to support the local farmer's market is coming to fruition, though, and we hosted the first essential local food market last Saturday. It was so exciting to see everyone out in masks, spaced appropriately, and supporting local healthy food. Thankfully, we've been putting resources online for almost a decade at the Homestead, and there's still so much you can find there. Go to www.thehomesteadcenter.org and get busy learning today. And now on with our show. Our guest today is Leslie Fye, who's a licensed professional counselor, a master Reiki healer and teacher, a certified emotion code practitioner, and a certified life coach with a specialty in spiritual fitness. She's also a good friend. She's the first person I thought of when I wanted to address the topic of going deep, getting still, and making room for growth because of her years of experience and her own practice in life. And I can't wait for her to share some of her experience with us today. Thank you. I'm glad you took time to be here during this crazy time. I just want you to start by telling everyone about your latest endeavor. You have about six different stories and things you could tell us, but your latest one's really interesting to me. Love, big, big love. Can you talk a little bit about that and tell us about yourself and how you got connected to this new endeavor? Sure, sure. Well, um, I've spent the last 25 years as a licensed professional counselor teaching my clients how to see themselves more accurately, how to see themselves with eyes of love. And what I've learned is that we respond to ourselves and to the world around us, usually with one of two emotions. We respond either with love or we respond with fear. And love is helpful and moves us towards growth and, well, fear 
isn't helpful and it's generally what causes most of the problems that we face in life. So love Big, Big Love is an expansion of my work as a counselor. Uh, I believe we're in a time in our world where we need love. Um, we need really, really big love. We need to love big ourselves and be able to see and spot and move toward big love in the world around us to solve the problems we're, that are facing us. So that's what love big, uh, big love is all about. You know, I've experienced in my own personal life, um, and in my efforts to advocate for the things that I believe in, how insipid fear is in my responses to the world. Um, and I've spent a lot of my life trying to erase the habits of fear in my life, not always successfully, but always trying. So love, big, big love is all about developing the habit of love. And um, that's, that's what I'm hoping to do is to help people explore ways to increase their spiritual fitness because really it's through a spiritual path that we cultivate love and erase the habit of fear. I love that you call it a habit. I never think about love as being a habit, but it is a choice a lot of times. And right now we are faced with so much fear in our world and and creating the habit of reacting with love rather than fear that is very interesting so let's start with the hard stuff as humans we do not do well with discomfort or hard things we tend to run or numb or scroll or shop or anything to avoid feeling emotions that are less than pleasant and this pandemic is bringing up a lot of tough emotions for people can you talk about that yes yes you're absolutely right this pandemic is uh, triggering the most difficult of emotions. It's full of uncertainty and um, honestly it triggers the fear reaction in all of it. The circumstances that are triggering us are two of our most powerful and difficult emotions. Um, one of those is feeling powerlessness and the other is feeling loss. Um, so the uncertainty and the unknowns that revolve around this virus in terms of our health and our well-being or even in terms of our economic uh, economic security, all of that mm -hmm. fuels that sense of powerlessness inside of us. And honestly, Allison, you know, there isn't a fix for powerlessness. So it's hard to accept that and it's hard hard to navigate in a society where we we're really cultured that you know we're supposed to find a fix for everything to so to accept that maybe there's places in our lives right now where we can't find a fix is is really hard um and then that other emotion is is grief uh loss there's there's so much loss occurring on a global level. Um, you know, the biggest loss, obviously, is the loss of life that so many of us are dealing with, losing people across the world, and often with without the few tools that we're used to having in times of loss. Tools like being able to just sit with your loved one and mm -hmm. hold their hand and say goodbye. Or, you know, other tools that 
we don't necessarily find pleasant, but they help us walk through the process, like funerals. Um, and there's so many other forms of loss occurring, like I said, loss of income, loss of security, loss of connection, loss of structure. The, the list just goes on and on. So yes, this is tough stuff. And this is triggering whatever coping mechanism you've developed personally along the way to try to avoid or cope with these kinds of overwhelming emotion. Yeah, I saw, you know, liquor store sales are way up and yes. uh, Netflix Netflix is way up and you know, I'm sure it just all the all the coping net but so yes. is exercise. You know, so people are yes. exercising more. So we do have some healthy coping strategies. And what happens when we avoid tough feelings or emotions? Why shouldn't we just try to get by the best we can until things change or get back to normal, which they probably won't? But why shouldn't we just go for the easy <laughs> the easy coping skills? Right, the easy binge watch or binge avoid. Um, mm -hmm. Well, you know, all emotions are energy, and that energy has an impact on us. So our goal is not necessarily to only have good emotions. That's not life. Life is full of good and bad. Um, but the goal is to be able to process all of the emotions that we have. So we aren't left with the negative energy of unprocessed emotion. Um, unprocessed emotion like fear or shame or rejection, all, all of that lives on in our bodies. It lives in our cells. It, it's in our brain. It echoes it, the vibration of fear really in everything we do, even when we're trying to avoid it. And what painful emotion needs most in order to be processed is compassion and understanding. It was so foreign to me when I first encountered that train of thought that you're supposed to move toward your discomfort emotions. I mean, I spent my whole life running as fast as I could from them. And when I learned that the only way really to process them and to go through them is to embrace them with, of all things, compassion, it just blew my mind. Yes. Yes, and you're not alone, Allison. You know, our, our culture, for whatever reason, moved us all towards dismissing the unpleasant, walking away, ignoring it, um, and trying to overcome it. You know, it's what, what I call in, in my profession, spiritual bypass. You know, if you think about emotion as a river and you're on one side of the river, and you can see to the other side of the river where you're trying to reach. You can see your destination and you know what it looks like. It's supposed to look like success or uh, calm or relief or joy. And, you know, what we've learned to do in our culture is instead of swimming through the river of our feelings and making our way, you know, to that destination, um, we all just want to bypass it. We want to take a helicopter, fly over that stupid river, and get to the other side because we know what it looks like. But the healing doesn't happen when we do that. So you're not alone there. What What is the benefit, though, of what I call going deep or going through the river, like you say, or going within during a difficult time like coronavirus? What do we yeah. expect to gain from, from doing that process, from, from, from facing those fears and grief and pain? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, gosh, there's so many benefits, but um, even the most obvious ones can really be life changing. So uh, the most obvious one is, is learning how to process all of your emotions. When we avoid emotion, it interferes with our ability to process and internalize all our emotions, including the mm. good ones. Mm. Um, when we have deep pain inside, we, we often internalize things that aren't true. And we often aren't very good at internalizing joy or happiness because we're too caught up in the fear of losing it. So we move from one achievement or pleasant experience onto the next one without digesting it. And, allowing it to have a lasting effect. So going deep can help you not only learn how to process and let go of painful emotions, but also how to savor the good ones. Um, the other really important benefit is that we, as we learn how to process the painful emotions, the problems um, that avoiding painful emotion has caused in our lives start to diminish. So some of the things that we were talking about earlier, you know, the person who drinks too much um, starts to get sober. The, the spouse who's overly sensitive and angry and all of the time becomes more grounded and less reactive. Uh, we quit worrying so much about appearances and having to be perfect and are a little more gentle with ourselves. You know, the, the list goes on and on. Um, when, when we process painful emotion, then the coping mechanisms that we've learned to over rely on that actually eventually become dysfunctional um, start to subside. And it took me a long time to get that, but I get that. But how do we do it? So what are some of the practices that we can do, you know, right now, this week in our homes while we have some time to encourage stillness and healing and ultimately growth? And so one of the best tools for processing emotion is what I call internal dialogue. Allowing an internal dialogue between your painful emotion that, that's inside and what I call the big love inside of you. So what is the big love? The, the big love is just, it's just the listening, compassionate response. The, the one that you have for your child or your best friend when they're in pain. Um, you know, where you don't rush in to fix their feelings or shut them down. You just sit and listen and love on your friend or your child and see the best in them. So the big love is one side of the dialogue, but what where, where you have to start is with the pain inside. So stopping to hear the story of how you feel, say the story of how you feel, talk about why you feel the way you do. Um, and I'm talking about sitting down really and kind of talking to yourself, you know, um, letting yourself remember when you first started feeling this way. Really just letting whatever needs to come tumbling out, come tumble out. And so you can do this by just sitting still and imagining this part of you that holds all these feelings. Um, just letting it talk, letting it have an emotional come apart on the inside. Some people don't do well with that. 
that that that's too that's not active enough for them. It's too passive. So some people prefer to journal this kind of emotion. You know, sit down and write about your feelings, why you feel that way, how you came to feel that way, and then um, then there's you know allowing the the response to happen, letting the big love inside you respond to your pain. Um, one of the things that, you know, I do as a counselor with my clients is as I'm listening to their story, often I, I hear the string of untruth that runs through their pain. Um, so as you listen to yourself, you know, one of the things you're going to find is some belief about yourself that's formed that's not really accurate, like, um, I'm not good enough or I'm worthy, unworthy or, uh, you know, if I'm wrong, people aren't going to like me. Um, so listening and trying to identify that untruth and then really just kind of sitting and asking yourself, is, is that really true? You know, am I really, really not good enough? That sounds like Byron Katie's work. She calls it the work. And, you know, she says you have several questions, you know, do, do I know that's true? Do I absolutely know that's true? You yes. know, who would I be if this thought weren't true? So yes, is that true? Can you know that's absolutely true? And um, how do I feel when I think that thought? And usually when we think those thoughts, we feel worse, not better. And so really, you're taking me right into the solution. You know, once you realize that the the feelings the beliefs that you hold on the inside aren't aren't necessarily true and we're trying to feel better we're making ourselves feel worse so then it's trying to move towards a thought that might be more accurate you know reflecting back a picture of yourself that's kinder and uh, a picture that you would reflect back to a friend or a child there's other feelings, and I won't tarry too long on this, but sometimes, um, like in the case of grief or loss, and that's so prevalent right now, there is no untruth to fix. Sometimes there's just pain, and that pain needs to be felt, and we need to know that there's love inside of us and around us to help us tie a knot at the end of the rope and just hang on. To have that space to do that is important. Yeah, just learning that sitting with your most painful emotions, you think it might kill you. So, you know, it's your fight or flight. It wants to get away from that. It wants to not be near that. But learning that you can actually sit with it and it won't kill you, that you will move through it and then it, in that way process it and let it go, is really powerful. It's very powerful, but it has to be done in an environment of love and without an agenda, right? So yeah. um, it can't be done to achieve the goal of, I have to fix this and I have to get it all together. It just needs to be allowed to happen. Does that make sense? So it's more like a surrender than a Fix. Yes, yes, yes. And as always, surrender is, is just ironically a, a part of the solution. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It never it feels doesn't. like it at the time. And you know, for when it's really, really, really scary 
and you can't do it by yourself, that's, that's when you reach out, whether you reach out to, you know, a dear friend that you know won't rush to judgment and, um, loves you enough to just hear all of the pain and ugly and scary on the inside. Um, or if it's really, really big, you know, that's, that's when you reach out for professional help. Um, but it's really amazing how much can happen when you just let yourself do that with yourself first. Yeah. And it's amazing when you look at different emotions, like it might be anger that, you know, I was dealing with my dad in the hospital over the last month and my mom with Parkinson's. And I was really just angry about a lot of things and just mad. And I, I was, I was acting frustrated. But when I finally sat down and said, what the heck? I'm not mad at these people. I love these people dearly. It was grief. It was grief that I didn't yeah. want to feel. And so I, I put anger on top of that. I could deal with anger, but I couldn't deal with the grief. And so it's amazing yes. when you sit down and process it. And then, and then it was, it, it vanished and I, I was able to just be with my family and love them and accept them as they are. But it's, yes. it's amazing what your mind does. It tricks you a lot of times. It puts, yes. it puts the wrong emotion at the forefront. And honestly, you know, anger is um, the go-to emotion in times of powerlessness because it feels powerful. It isn't actually, I mean, it is powerful, but not in the way and not always in the productive way. Um, so it's not mm -hmm. that anger is bad. Really, it's just understanding that anger is trying to protect us from um, something underneath. And anger is a lot of, yeah. you know, what our world is using to cope with problems these days. And Ooh, buddy, people are angry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. They are and angry. It, it, it's fine to start with anger, but, it, it, you know, you, you have to do what you, you did. You have to sit with it long enough to hear what's underneath. So what else can you recommend for mental, emotional, and spiritual health during this particular time? You know, what I have to recommend during this particular time really is good for every time. Three key elements that um, a, a spiritual practice that all of us can find our own version of and work toward are meditation, affirmations, and movement. So with meditation, you know, our culture has taught us to be so busy, busy all of the time, um, often to process pain and get grounded in hope and love. We need stillness. And um, Allison, I think you and I share, you know, being extroverted in nature. And this kind of stillness has always been challenging for me. Meditation seemed like this really high mountain to climb. Um, but if you start small and mm -hmm. just search for what works for you, you'll find a way to get quiet. Um, I usually tell people to start with like three or five minutes a day. Uh, and if sitting in silence is uncomfortable for you or you end up finding yourself just sitting in, you know, the noise in your head instead of your heart, then look for a guided meditation. Guided meditation can be just music or it can be a mantra that's repeated over and over. Um, it can be verbal guided imagery. And nowadays there's so many great resources. You know, there's headspace, there's breath, calm. 
Um, I mean, there's tons of apps out there mm -hmm. and there's YouTube, like it's free and it's a great resource. That's what we do with our kids. We've been doing in the mornings. We've been putting uh, the honest guys on YouTube and we all find a spot in the living room and that's how we start the day now that we have more time. So it's been, yes. and it changes the tone. It changes the whole tone of the day. It does. It's a great way to start. And what I recommend to people is, you know, listen, look around, shop around for a meditation that has a voice that sounds soothing to you or music that you like um, or words that speak to you. You know, there, there's not a perfect one. It's just the one that, that reaches you. And then build on it. You know, start with two or three minutes and work your way up to 10 or 15. Like you said, it's a wonderful way to start your day or even end your day. Then there's affirmations, and affirmations are just positive thoughts that we repeat over and over to ourselves. You know, it's a part of developing those eyes of love, is developing thoughts of love about ourselves and the world around us. And a lot of times the way we learn anything new or develop anything, any habit is through repetition. So I like to write mine down in my journal um, because it helps me slow down and it helps me savor the words, um, not just rush through them. But you, you can just speak them out loud. Um, and what you choose to affirm in your life really depends on what you need, where whether you, you know, do your typical I am statement, you know, followed by some positive quality like I am good enough or whether you find a positive quote that grounds you and just write or say that over and over. Um, love big, big love uh, generates a positive thought each day on social media, but there's all kinds of resources out there for aff affirmations. So um, find the one you need for the day and, and start with that. And I like the idea again about habits, forming habits. So if you're, if you're thinking that affirmation, you can't be thinking that and the negative thing that runs in your head all the time at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. It's, uh, you're not reinforcing, you know, the monster of fear. Uh, you're reinforcing, you know, my mom told me when I was a little girl that every time you learn something new, uh, you you grow a wrinkle in your brain, right? And so that's just a great metaphor that um, you know when when we repeat thoughts of fear or actions of fear, we're we're growing that wrinkle. And um, if you want to change that, then you have to repeat thoughts of love. Um, and grow the love wrinkle. And as we grow the love wrinkle, the, the fear wrinkle shrinks. So then there's movement. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not talking, I'm not saying exercise for a reason. I'm saying find a way to move your body that you enjoy. And that's realistic for you. Um, start small and just work towards longer increments of time. The key is to enjoy it and for it to become more consistent. So whether it's stretching or walking or yoga or running, what, whatever, you know, whatever it is, just start doing it and keep trying to do it until it becomes more of a habit. So you'll find it's something that you look forward to. 
Um, and the reason I tell people to move is um, it really twofold. It, it, we do slow down when we just focus on moving, which seems kind of contradictory, but, but it's true. We, we slow down when we move our bodies. And when we move our bodies, we help move the emotion and the energy through them. So it's just really important. Um, so that's it. Meditation, affirmation, and movement. You don't have to do all of those at once, and you don't have to do any of them in big, huge ways. You, you just start small. Yeah, sometimes it is just so simple. The little, you know, next right thing that you do for your body or your mental health or your emotional health, and then one more little right thing, and, and those yeah. add up. And I just try to get more. I mean, I have ugh, totally off days and bad days, but I try to do more things in the positive column than in the other column. And and in, if you do that over time, it tips, the balance tips in the favor of health and well-being. The bad days will come. Um, but if we've started forming these new little habits uh, of love, then we have a better way to respond to the difficult stuff when it happens. Thank you so much for being with us today. Is there anything you want to leave us with and then tell people how they can find you and your big love initiative? Yes. So we're at lovebigbiglove.com um, on the internet and we're on Facebook and Instagram. I'm not as good about Twitter, but we're for sure on Facebook and Instagram and I have a presence on Twitter. I just don't always share to that. Um, so what to leave you with, I, I guess the, the two habits of love that I'm working on the most in my life right now that are really simple is really what I'd like to leave you, leave us with. Um, one is to just be gentle with yourself, you know, as you move towards loving yourself, you're generally going to be less reactive and loving, more loving towards others. So be gentle with yourself. Mm -hmm. So the other is to quit working so hard to be understood by others in the world. You know, it's, it's a natural inclination to want to be understood, but I'm intentionally trying to invest energy in, in curiosity and seeking to understand. And in times like this, it's really what we need the most. You know, I'm not saying it's easy. It's, really really hard i'm just saying it's the goal yeah so be gentle with yourself and try hard to um understand rather than be understood well thank you so much for joining us as always we would love to hear from you listeners tell us what practices you're using to maintain emotional health on twitter at idealist podcast or on facebook at the homestead education center Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and share this episode with someone who needs to hear it. Until next time, let's keep it local.